We meet today in Psalm chapter 25 to chapter 27. Psalm chapter 25 is a plea for mercy and deliverance. Also, Psalm 25 brings us to a new section in the Genesis section of the Psalms. It begins a new series of 15 Psalms, that is chapter 25 all the way to chapter 39, which primarily records David's personal experience, but it also looks to the future when the godly remnant of Israel will be in trouble. For the comfort of believers today, these psalms contain the balm of Gilead. Some of these psalms may not be so familiar, but they have so much to speak to us even in our day. Psalm 25, verse 1 and verse 2 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. You see here is a prayer, a prayer that reveals the dependence that David had upon God. One day Israel will also experience this. The time will come when that remnant of Israel will find themselves in a position where there is no one upon whom they can depend except God. And it is good for us to come to that place also, when we can depend upon God. Psalm 25 verse 3. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. You see, listen to the, the plea that is coming out of the mouth of the psalmist here. Psalm 25 verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your parts. You see, there are two ways a man can go. He can go God's way or he can go his own way. My friend, are you walking on God's way or you are walking your own way? God gives us a choice. We can walk in the path of our choosing. Proverbs 14 verse 12 tells us, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end are the ways of death. What a glorious thing it is to be able to call out to God and ask him to show us the way that we should go. That is what we are seeing the psalmist doing here. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Psalm 25 verse 5. You see here the psalmist is calling on God to show him the way, to teach him the way. Now this leads me to say that this is what is known as an acrostic psalm. That is, it is built upon the Hebrew alphabet. Each verse begins with a letter of the alphabet, you see. Remember me, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Verse 6. You see, the psalmist here speaks not only of the kindness of God, but also of his loving kindness. David could say this during a time of trouble, as will the godly remnant of Israel say in their time of trouble. That also can be the way that we would speak even in our own time of trouble. Do not remember the sins of my youth, 
nor my transgressions according to your mercy remember me for your goodness sake O lord psalm 25 verse 7 you see here david asking god not only to remember his tender mercies and showing loving kindness but now he asks him to forget something he says do not remember the sins of my youth forget them then he prays to god for goodness and mercy oh my friend god is good in both of these he is rich in goodness and mercy i don't know about you but i'm going to need a whole lot of mercy and i would like to have a lot of goodness too Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 23 verse 6 says these words. In chapter 25 of Psalm, we see here also the expression of the confidence in God. In the second section of this Psalm, David expresses his confidence and trust in God. Psalm 25 Verse 8 and verse 9. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his ways. Now, God's goodness, his love, and his righteousness are revealed even in his provision for salvation for you and for me. For your name's sake, O Lord, Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Psalm 25, verse 11. You see, God forgives us for Christ's sake, never for our sake. You and I do not merit God's forgiveness. We know that God forgave David, and if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will forgive us too. Concerning his people in the future, God says to Israel in Jeremiah 31 verse 34, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. God forgives. Psalm 25 verse 14, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. You see, there are so many people today who are just question marks as far as their Christian lives are concerned. They don't understand this or that verse of scripture and they don't understand why God does certain things at given times. But the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. When we walk with the Lord, many times we do not need to ask a question. We just put our hand in his and we walk along. Why the secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. My friend, do you want to know the secrets of the Lord? Fear him. Still in this psalm, we move to the next section, which is the final section of the psalm, beginning with verse 15. It now tells us of the trouble and deliverance. As we come to this section of the psalm, we are faced once again with that time of trouble that is coming for Israel, and it is a future time. Psalm 25, verse 15 to verse 17. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. 
Oh, what a prayer here. This will be for the faithful remnant of Israel during the time of trouble, and that time is coming in the future. Also, it is a good prayer for you and me when we experience times of trouble. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Psalm 25 verse 18. You see, my friend, when we are in trouble, we are more apt to confess our sins. And this is what we are seeing. Verse 19 to verse 21 says, Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Now we hear the conclusion of the whole matter in verse 22. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. All of us who are God's children have troubles during our lifetimes. This is a prayer for us. O God, deliver us out of our troubles. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. But I'm sure that you can see that the primary interpretation of this psalm is actually for the nation of Israel. But we certainly can also pray this prayer for ourselves. Redeem Asafa, O God, out of all his troubles. You can even insert your own name. This brings us to Psalm 26, where we now see the plea on the basis of personal righteousness. In Psalm 25, David confessed his sins, and David was a great sinner. But in Psalm 26, David talks about his righteousness. I don't know about you, but I have a perfect righteousness. But it's not Asafa Makangas. No, he has been made to me righteousness as well as redemption. That is Christ. This is on the plus side of the ledger, and I stand complete in him, and I mean in Christ. I am accepted in the beloved. That is what it means to pray in his name. It is to present his work, his merit, and who he is with our requests. Praying in his name. Psalm 26 verse 1 to verse 2. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not sleep. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. You see, David committed a great sin, but David did not continue to live in sin. What David did once, the king of Babylon did every day. David's sin stands out like a lamp of coal in a snowman, but the rest of David's life was an example of godliness. He became a measuring stick for the kings who followed him. Every king was judged by whether or not he walked in the steps of his father David. If he followed David's example, he was accepted and proclaimed a good king. Now, this psalm reminds us of the first psalm. Notice how it reads, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord. 
it was because of his faith in the Lord that David did not slide, that David did not slip. Not that he was so strong. No, he knew he was not a strong person, but he knew that when he trusted the Lord, then the Lord would sustain him. Psalm 26, verse 3 to verse 5. For your loving kindness is before my eyes. I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Like I said, it sounds like you are reading Psalm 1. This Psalm is similar to Psalm 1 in content. Here David said, I have walked in your truth. This is a positive statement. Someone presents the negative side of it. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Furthermore, David states that he has not sat with vain persons or nor with dissemblers or idolatrous mortals, so he calls them. You see, David did not sit with false persons. Now, someone puts it like this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. In verse 1 of Psalm 1. What are we seeing here? We are seeing almost the similar picture. Psalm 26 verse 6. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord. A man's faith needs to be backed up by a good life. How important this psalm is in connection to this very thing. Maybe the reason this section of the psalm is not so popular today is because they emphasize a life that is pleasing to God. Psalm 26 verse 12 says, My foot stands in an even place in the congregations I will bless the Lord. Now that statement, my foot stands in an even place, is an important one. That means that he is sure-footed now. He is established on the right foundation. He is established on the rock, Christ Jesus. The even place speaks of that rock. When we are on the side of a slippery hill, you are apt to fall. But when you are on the right place, stand on the Lord. We now move on to Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27 is now a prayer. It is a deeply spiritual psalm and one that is very familiar to many of God's people. The moment you read the first verse, your face will probably lift up with recognition. It divides itself naturally into two major divisions. The first six verses speak of the provision God makes for the encouragement and confidence of his people. The remainder of the psalm is a prayer for help and sustenance. It is not a psalm for the super-duper saints, but has a message for many hearts and lives. It is a prayer of David, and it opens on this grand note. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
Psalm 27 verse 1. That sounds familiar, I am sure. You see, God so loved the world that he provided a salvation for sinners. And we have to come to him on that basis. That salvation is conditioned, as Simon Peter put it. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. This is the same salvation that David is talking about. The Lord is my light and my salvation. My light, my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. God not only gives life, he also empowers us to live that life on earth. Is he the light of your life, my friend? Is he the one who loves you and gives you strength every day? Of whom shall I be afraid? That statement is profound. Actually, Martin Luther said, one with God is a, a majority. When Cromwell was asked why he did not fear anyone, he also said, I have learned that if you fear God, you have no one else to fear. My friend, the antidote to fear is to fear God. Then you will have no one else to fear. Psalm 27 verse 2. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. David was probably looking back upon that time of his life when he was in much danger. He started out as a shepherd boy and his life was in danger when he protected his sheep from lions and from bears. That is something that a person does not do every day. Verse 3 of Psalm 27 says, Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. David's confidence was in God. And this is the provision that God has made for his own people, his own children today. Have you ever noticed that every time the Lord Jesus would break through to speak to his apostles after his resurrection, he would say, do not fear, fear not. You and I have a resurrected Savior. Fear comes to many of us, but we need to know that he says, do not fear. Now, coming to the meditation on prayer that is given even in this psalm, Psalm 27, verse 4 says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now notice the one thing in David's life was that he may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Now, I don't think that David intended to take his sleeping bag and his blankets or his bed into the tabernacle and stay there. But, you see, he wanted the ark, which was God's meeting place with his people, with him in Jerusalem. He would have the ark come to Jerusalem. He went to great length to bring it to Jerusalem and erected a tabernacle for it and planned an elaborate temple for God. Why? Through that, he had access to God. That was the one thing in David's life that he wanted. 
We have access to God through Jesus Christ now. And this is the thing we ought to rejoice in. He is the one who will enable us to whittle our lives down to that one point. Paul gives us the eight benefits of being justified by faith in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to verse 5. We have benefits of being justified by faith. You see, the second benefit Paul mentions is actually access to God. We read there saying, By whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What a wonderful thing it is to have access to God. Not only do you have peace with God, but you have access into the presence of royalty. What a joy, what an encouragement. And David longed to have access, longed to be in the presence of God. Psalm 27 verse 5 For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Where was the secret place of the tabernacle? It was inside the Holy of Holies. No one could go there but the high priest. Do you know what was in there? In there was the Ark of the Covenant, which was only a box overlaid with gold. But upon the Ark was the elaborate lid, which God designated as the mercy city, because blood was sprinkled upon it. Now in our day, my friend, because the Lord Jesus Christ has shed his blood, we have a mess seat to which we can go. And that is where he hides us. What a secure place we have. We can be hidden there. Psalm 27 verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. When we get this wonderful picture and recognize what he has done for us, it will put a song in our hearts. And now this leads him to pray the next verse. In that verse he declares prayer proper. Psalm 27 verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. You see, in that secret place there was mercy and God has prepared that secret place for us today where we can receive the mercy of God. Psalm 27 verse 8 When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. My friend, God has a longing for you. Do you respond to that longing? It is awful to live with a person who does not express his love. David's heart responded when God said to him, I love you. David said, I love you. When God said, I want to have fellowship with you, David said, I want to have fellowship with you. God is calling out to you and me, I want to have fellowship with you. How are you responding? Psalm 27 verse 9, Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in your anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. You see, when David sinned, he found out what it was like for God to hide his face from him. 
he lost his fellowship, he lost his joy, but he prayed, restore to me the joy of my salvation. The next verse has actually been misunderstood by many people, which is verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. This verse has been misunderstood by critics. Notice that this is a temporary clause. When my father and my mother, it would be better translated, had my father and my mother forsaken me, then the Lord will take me up. Now, probably your father and your mother have not forsaken you, but should they do so, then the Lord would take you up. I hope that clarifies some misunderstandings. Psalm 27 verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. David is saying, I want a good testimony before my enemies because I know my enemies will criticize me. I want you to watch over me, Lord, and help me not to embarrass you by what I do. Psalm 27 Verse 12, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witness have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Do not deliver me into the will of my enemies. That is important. Don't let them get me down and pin my shoulders to the mat. Now, I think he will answer, and that prayer will be answered. Actually, David realizes that the prayer that he has offered has been answered. And his realization is vocalized in the last two verses. Psalm 27, verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, even in the world today, you can see the goodness of the Lord. How wonderful that is. Verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There is a lot of heart trouble today among believers. It is known as faint-heartedness or the coward's heart. All of us have a little touch of it. How can this be cured, my friend? The solution, the medicine, the antidote is, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. When we do that, the Lord will strengthen our hearts. He is really the great heart specialist and wait on him even today. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.